0: Every story in Scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and this is the fifth class in a series designed to cover the 17 periods of Bible history. This is not a verse-by-verse analysis. This is a survey of Bible history where we work through a timeline from Genesis Revelation. The purpose is to have the big picture well in mind. What is God doing? What is the Old Testament leading up to? This will help us in all our other Bible study and all of our Bible reading efforts. Now, it seems to me this would be a good time to review what we've covered so far. Class number one, God's Creative Work Adam and Eve's sin, the episode with Cain and Abel, and a genealogical table. This is from the first five chapters in Genesis. Class number two, Noah and the flood. We read about the causes of the flood, the instructions God gave to Noah, the flood itself, and the aftermath. Class number three, the Tower of Babel, which explains the expansion that God wanted of people into nations spread out. Men didn't sign on to God's plan at first, but God intervened, and the people were spread out into nations. Number four, our most recent episode about Abraham, the promises God made to him and those promises were transmitted or fulfilled through Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. All of that brings us out of Genesis and into the book of Exodus about Moses and the Israelites, their redemption from Egyptian bondage, across the Red Sea, into the wilderness, receiving the law, but not into the promised land, in that generation. So in this class, we are concerned with the history God provides, mostly in the book of Exodus. The descendants of Abraham, through whom the promises were transmitted, find themselves in Egypt. That story is given near the end of Genesis. Joseph rose to a position of some prominence and influence, but after his death, conditions turned toward hardship, and captivity for the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites. The suffering of the people was known to God, so according to his plan and purpose, he called Moses to lead these people out of Egypt. This might be called the birth of a nation. Now, one way to remember and to study the story of Moses is three periods of forty years, let's use that structure to summarize what we're going to look at the first forty years Moses grew up, and acts seven twenty two says he was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians at forty, he killed an Egyptian taskmaster who was beating an Israelite, and this led to Moses. Fleeing from Egypt. The second 40 years found Moses in the wilderness working as a shepherd for his father in law Jethro. At the age of 80, his life came to another turning point. I want to read about that from Exodus chapter 3. I'm reading from Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I'm at verse 7 in Exodus 3, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. and I also have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11, Exodus 3. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, if you continue in Exodus 3 with verse 11, you discover Moses didn't immediately sign on the dotted line. He was reluctant. He offered excuses. God answered each one. And Moses was sent back to Egypt to take God's people out of their bondage. Now, you don't just walk up to an Egyptian Pharaoh and say, Hi, my name is Moses, and I'm here from God, and I'm taking all of your workers out of the country. That brings us to the ten plagues, expressing God's power, confirming the authority granted to Moses, and likely causing the egyptians to be thankful the people left i'm going to show you a map of the route possibilities of moses leading the people out of the wilder uh, out of egypt into the wilderness and toward the land of canaan and you'll notice on the map there was a shorter route but god led them according to his plan and his purpose they received the law of moses at mount sinai God gave instructions for the tabernacle, and 40 years after leaving Egypt, it may have seemed like everything was ready for them to move into the promised land. Not so quick. We are now into the book of Numbers in our summary, our survey, and there is disappointment. On their journey out of Egypt to Mount Sinai, And to the territory just outside the promised land, the people had not been on their best behavior, complaining, rebellion, idolatry. As you read into Numbers chapter 10 through 13, you get a sense that disappointment lies ahead. Spies were sent into Canaan, and for 40 days they examined the land. I want to point out their mission was not to decide if this could be done or to make any judgments about what God had said He would do, that He would give the people the land. No, they were to collect information useful for Moses, Joshua, and the men to take the land. And that all brings us to the book of Numbers in chapter 13, 25 through 33. Let's listen to this as we continue our summary of this period of Bible history. Numbers 13, 25 through 33. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy, it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw entered are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. This all leads into the scene in Numbers 14, and that will be our next class, the wilderness wandering period. Let me summarize at this point. So God expressed his will to Abram, later called Abraham. Remember the three promises in the previous class. God formed a nation from the descendants of Abraham and said he would give that nation a land, and from that nation eventually Jesus came, and that's a New Testament testimony. In this period, in this class, the descendants of Abraham are first in Egypt, slaves under oppression. God calls Moses to lead them out. They journey through the wilderness, complaining, rebelling, now facing 40 more years before Joshua can lead them into the land God promised. That's our next class. Now, there is so much to learn from this period in Bible history, so much to take in and apply as the plan and purpose of God unfolds. I want to spend these next few minutes with you in Hebrews 11 concerning Moses. This is Hebrews 11, 23 through 29. We are now in the New Testament looking at a reference to this man, Moses, we've studied about. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. I want to talk to you now about Moses. And that's going to be the practical part of this class. I want to talk to you about Moses. Faith in God was important when this baby was born. The Israelite people were living in bondage, slaves in Egypt. Every Israelite was at risk of harsh punishment, even death, especially babies, and especially male babies. The Egyptian Pharaoh wants the control of the Israelite population to be his for the sake of labor in his economy, his administration. According to Exodus 1, verse 10, he feared a future slave revolt, so the order was issued to kill all male children among the Israelites. Now, look at Moses' parents. People of faith. From that faith, there was good character and love for children. There was no way they were going to let their baby boy be killed, even if the greatest monarch in the world issued the order. They saw their role as parents from God's perspective you protect your children. To save his life, they hid him by putting him in a basket in the reeds or brush that grew along the edge of the river. Do you see the story of Moses? is a story of faith from the very beginning. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Let's talk about that. Moses was discovered in the bushes near the river, but not killed. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. She found him. She raised him. The Old Testament record of this is Exodus chapter 2. I referenced earlier Acts seven twenty-two. Moses was trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Now, here's where the man comes to a crossroad. Do you stay in the Egyptian palace and work your way higher in position? Do you forget about your heritage and enjoy the wealth and power, or do you renounce your Egyptian identity and live for and with Your people, the Israelites. Well, this passage in Hebrews tells us what Moses chose. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Kids, if you're listening to this video, parents, bring them in here. Think about what he did. In terms of wealth and luxury and just plain old fun, Moses said no, he resisted temptation. He was loyal to his family, his people, his heritage. And the good activity of faith and character continues in verse 25 of Hebrews 11, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. young people, this is such an important statement. I'm asking you to look at this carefully, especially now as you enter into school, perhaps in person, and you resume contact with people and you resume some contact with temptation. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Look at that phrase. Moses went to his people, the people of God who were suffering. He identified with them and lived with them rather than the Egyptian palace. He knew this. Sin's pleasure is only good for a short time. I want you to mark that down. Look at what Moses did. He forfeited his social standing. Any reputation or dignity he might have earned in the royal Egyptian palace, he walked away from, and he gave up the passing pleasures of sin. Because he knew the pleasures of sin don't last. That was Moses' perspective. Is it your perspective? When classmates and friends and videos and, and uh, content on the internet entice you to do something that seems exciting, but you know it's wrong. I hope you understand what Moses understood. The thrill doesn't last very long, but the damage and the consequence of sin May ruin you. Whatever the thrill is, whatever applause you might receive from your peers, whatever promises made by the temptation or the tempters, sin never delivers what it promises. The excitement is temporary, momentary, and you must live with the consequences. Moses saw something better, which is my next point. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Uh, Moses and the other patriarchs in the Old Testament did not have in written form in front of them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they knew God had a plan. And they knew those plans involved their people, the Israelite nation. So Moses said to himself, there is something far better than what uh, uh, Egyptian circumstances could offer me. Moses thought, I'll take God's plan over Pharaoh's plan any day of the week. He knew what was better, what was greater, and therefore worth his commitment. Children, young people, there is nothing you will ever discover here on earth more important than God's plan for you revealed in his word. No set of friends, no amount of money, no form of entertainment, no career, no lifestyle, no ill-conceived relationship. Nothing is better than God's plan for you revealed in his word that involves, supremely so, Jesus Christ. Moses even said, I'll suffer Bring on any disgrace or hardship. God knows what is best for my life. He was looking for the reward. And how did this all work out? Notice every sentence after verse 26 in Hebrews 11 begins with the phrase, By faith. That's the key. It was the key for Moses. It's the key for me and for you parents. And for your children, by faith, Moses acted as described in hebrews eleven twenty seven through twenty nine Thank you for being a part of this section of Bible history. We're covering these things very rapidly, but we're moving through the seventeen periods of Bible history, and it looks like coming up next. We're going to be in the book of Numbers further and into Deuteronomy and uh, talk about some things that are not pleasant in regard to the mistakes that God's people made, but very important for us as we apply all this to our choices and our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Thank you.